Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. Last week, Pastor Mark, I mean Elder Mark or Teacher Mark, shared about love infusion. Do you remember this picture? Did you realize now that whenever you see a cucumber in a water class or a water bottle, that cucumber infusion is taking place? I did not know that. I learned something last week from my son. As you can see, flavor and nutrients are making the water more refreshing and better for you. That fruit infusion or the cucumber infusion, he went on to talk about how we are desperately in need of utilizing the infusion of love by the Holy Spirit so that life can be fully lived and ministry to others fully carried out. He was drawing that to our attention last week. And he was making us aware of the fact that already within our spirit, we have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, etc. And because that fruit is already there within us, now by the grace of God, it is to come out of us, through us, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And this is how we become affective as well as effective in what we do. He talked about the four P's. Remember those? Proximity, prayer, permission, and promptings. All about this whole matter of love infusion. Do you know that 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14 says, Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus and through us spreads His fragrance everywhere. Our prayer is that Wilmot Center people will smell good wherever they go and that we will indeed become the ingredients necessary in Wilmot Township to make a difference. Now today, as you can see, we've been talking about, and Chris has been so capably handling all of this this morning, Vacation Bible School, or Bible Camp this week, shipwrecked rescued by Jesus. Perhaps you're here this morning, and in a sense, you almost feel like a shipwreck. Keep your ears open today. He is here to save you, rescued by Jesus. Now, rescue. As you can see from that picture, this person being rescued by another person trained to carry out another different assignment. Yeah, there are two people on there. One that's trained and the other one that had to be rescued. I couldn't even imagine being the person trained to do that, let alone the one that's being rescued. But rescues do take place in a variety of ways. You know, really, the word rescue, when I looked that up in the dictionary, it says to deliver from danger, harm, evil, violence, imprisonment, 
or the threat of any one of these. That's what rescue really means. We also know that to rescue means to find someone who was lost. Have you ever had to be rescued because you were incapable of doing it yourself? Rescues do take place in a variety of ways, and one of them being with a helicopter. I'm sure that this past week, the Thailand cave rescue was something that you heard all about. Twelve children, one coach, 18 days in a cave, two miles into the cave, a thousand people involved in the rescue. See, the wild boars soccer team of 12 boys and their soccer coach are now safe, rescued from the floods deep inside a cave in northern Thailand after more than two weeks being in confinement there. A thousand people, including 110 Navy SEALs, hundreds of soldiers and other volunteers sprang into action. First of all, they had to find them and then they had to attempt to bring them out of the caves. On Tuesday morning when Dale and I were eating breakfast at the breakfast room in our hotel on our way back from Philadelphia, we were watching to the TV in that room and it's made this announcement. We interrupt this to bring you breaking news. The remaining soccer players and their coach have just been successfully rescued from the cave and we rejoice because prior to that we too had been praying May there be a good report. Now, sadly, though, as the world rejoiced over this triumphant rescue, the wife of a former Thai Navy SEAL was mourning the loss of her 38-year-old husband who had volunteered his expertise to help in that rescue. As a volunteer... He was making his way through those tunnels and he passed out underwater as he was placing extra air tanks inside the cave along the route the divers would be using to reach the cavern where the 12 boys and their coach were stranded. And he couldn't be revived and he was pronounced dead early Friday morning. Rescues are amazing, but rescues can cost. Do you remember another rescue that took place where someone voluntarily gave his life so that others could live? Ah, you've got the answer. I use the word voluntarily. You see, that Thai Navy SEAL That man, he was a volunteer, but he was not intending to die. But in Psalm 18, and Sandy, would you come forward, please? In Psalm 18, David recorded this psalm as he thanked God for delivering him from all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Psalm 18 is also an accurate 
insightful picture of God delivering you and I, His people in this world, from the powerful grasp of our enemy Satan. We're going to read this together. And folks, I'm going to ask you in a moment to stand as we read this together. I cannot stress the importance enough today of understanding how valuable this book, the Word of God, is. There are many attempts today to set this aside and try to live life on your own. But let me assure you, when your heart is overwhelmed and you're looking for a rock that is higher than I, here's the only one. If we don't come to appreciate and understand what this book has for us today, we're never going to make it, folks. I don't care how hard you try. This is the rock upon which we stand. Heaven and earth may pass away, but my word will never pass away. And so I'm going to have Sandy. She is going to lead you ladies in reading. Put up that first slide, please, Nathan. Ladies, this is the first slide, and that's what you will be reading in a moment. Sandy will be leading you as you read that. When it comes to the next slide, men, you follow me. And we will read the second slide. When the next slide comes up, it'll be the ladies. And Sandy, she's going to just lead the ladies. I'll lead the men. But listen, as we're reading this, you see how this psalm is just like a messianic awareness of what Jesus was about to do. And David was already praising the Lord for this in his own life. Would you stand with me, please, as we read the Word of God together? Sandy, would you start the ladies in leading us to read that first slide? Ladies? Ladies, I love you, Lord, my strength. Men, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Ladies? I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Men, the cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. Ladies? The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. Men, in my distress I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. Ladies. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. Men, he reached down from on high, and he took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. Ladies. He rested. Men, they confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. Ladies. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. May the Lord's blessing indeed not only rest on his word, 
but may it filter through, not only in our head, but right through to our heart, and to bring life-changing events in your life and mine. God bless you. You may be seated. Thanks, Cindy. Let me just reread. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support, and he brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Jesus our rescuer. Back in May of this year, Dale and I went to Lancaster, Pennsylvania to see the production of Jesus at the Sight and Sound Theater down there. Upon entering the theater, this is the brochure that was given out to us as we entered that 2,000-seat auditorium down there. I wanted to bring this to your attention because from the very first day that Dale and I saw this picture, it has had an, an, an amazing impact upon our lives because it describes to a T how Jesus rescues. This is what he did in the world. But listen, this is what the director wrote. This is in the front of this here. This is what he wrote. Over three years ago, when we first set sail on this production of Jesus, we immersed ourselves in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And as we did, one word kept rising up in our minds, rescue. As we read and reread the stories of the Savior, an overwhelming sense of God's love filled our hearts. Love that rescues, that was it. Love that rescues. That was the anchor that kept this portrayal of Jesus from drifting into the waters of endless possibilities. Jesus left heaven. He lived among us. He strapped on sandals. He rolled up his sleeves. He embraced the untouchables. He pursued the outcasts. He opened the eyes of the blind. He delivered the tormented. He healed the sick. He walked on water. He reached into the lives of those sinking beneath the storms of life, and he saved them. But he did not come just to rescue these few. And it goes on to say what you're about to experience is not a history lesson on the most famous person ever to walk the earth. It is not even necessarily a story of Jesus' life. It's the story of Jesus' love, which we believe is life. Do you understand why last week Mark was sharing about the love infusion? Do you understand as well that when we're reading in the Scriptures and we see how Jesus touched individuals' lives with circumstance, that are involved in circumstances like you and I are experiencing on a daily basis, do you understand that it was Jesus who came as their Savior and they recognized Him as their Savior and their life was changed? He went to church one Sunday according to Mark chapter 1 and He saw a man there and before that man left, He was delivered from an evil spirit. 
before lunch that day, after going from church, he goes back to Peter's house. And he has the amazing opportunity to deliver Peter's mother-in-law from a fever. And when that fever's gone, she gets up and attends to them. Before that chapter concludes, he's confronted with a man who is covered with leprosy. And that man is cured by the touch of Jesus. In Mark chapter 2, there's a man who is in desperate need. He can't walk. He's a paralytic. He has four friends who care about him enough that they've heard Jesus can make a difference. And they go to the effort of taking him to the place where Jesus was, and they break through the roof, lower him down, and that paralytic not only had his sins forgiven, but he was raised up and he walked. Go on through the book of Mark, and you'll see Jesus and his disciples in the boat, and a huge fierce storm arises, and the disciples are afraid that they're going to be sinking. And they find Jesus who's asleep, and they said, Jesus, don't you care that we are going to perish? And all Jesus did was got up and went to the bow of the boat, and he said, peace, be still. You know what? All of this stuff sounds so good in the Scriptures. But I believe God is looking for persons right now, like you and I, who are ready to step up in the authority of Jesus' name by the power of the Holy Spirit in us to be able to walk into situations and make a difference for their sake, for God's glory. That's what I'm looking for. I know that there is the supernatural very much involved. I have seen in my own life how God delivered me. I want to show you a picture of a supernatural rescue. When I was five years old, back home on the farm, and I trust I'll be able to share these things with you because they are so precious. When I was five years old, back on the farm, Dad was seeding the field in the early spring right behind our house. He wanted to be kind and nice to me. And so he asked if I wanted to join him and ride on the tractor with him. The only difference between that picture that you see and the tractor that we had, I couldn't find the tractor with the roll crop, the wheels together at the front. But it was a super C farmall. The seed drill had steel wheels, not rubber tired like that. But everything else was basically the same. You see where the seat is? There's a platform beside the seat where Dad would put his his feet, the clutch, of course, on the left, the brakes on the right. And I sat on the side where the clutch was. 
and I sat behind his foot and a platform like this, and then there was a space between the fender and this platform like this and the axle, of course, a steel axle, which, of course, is enclosed. But that's where I would put my feet, and then as a little boy, I would hang on to the fender, and that's where I would ride. I'd done that many times. But that particular day, when Dad was doing this, this was after lunch. I'm terrible after lunch. I fell asleep. Unknown to Dad, I fell off the tractor in between the tractor and the seed drill. Now, what I'm about to tell you now, I cannot explain. I can only recall with vivid imagination how when I hit the ground, all I remember is like that. And I don't know why, I don't know how, but the next picture that I have that has been ingrained on my mind forever, and I don't know how I could see this other than the fact that I had to be looking down because I saw myself sitting on the ground behind the seed drill. Dad's still driving. And I'm sitting on the ground. And all of a sudden, I see Dad turn and look. And he realizes I'm gone. And I see him turn like that. And he saw me back there sitting on the ground. He stopped the tractor. He jumped off. And he came back to grab me. And he grabbed me up in his arms. And he took me into the house where Mom was. And they put me on the kitchen table. And they ripped my clothes off to see what I had hurt. There wasn't one scratch, one bruise, and none of my clothes were ripped until they did it. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea how that happened. But I forever, I forever have a picture in my mind of me seeing me on the ground, supernaturally rescued from destruction. You see, rescues can take place supernaturally. I'm sure that if I were to ask across this congregation this morning, some of you who have experienced supernatural rescue, there's no reason why you should be here today except by the grace of God. Do you realize, folks, you are a miracle. You're here by divine appointment, yet some of you have lost that calling. You've forgotten how God supernaturally saved you. Don't ever forget it. Don't ever forget it. But now listen, folks, not only are there things like that where you can't account for it, but God chooses to use some people, perhaps, to be a rescuer for you. Those first few years of my life were terrible, apparently, because when I was five, this happened. When I was in grade one, in age six, the following year, in June, I was finishing grade one. And in June of that year, 
our teacher, Mr. Ivan Kreller, he, I went to a one-room public school. Some of you don't even know what that means. But all of you that are bald and white and all that kind of thing, you know what I mean. There were 25 students in our class, I'm sorry, in our school because there was grade one, grade two, grade three, grade four, grade five, grade six, grade seven, grade eight, and that's how we lived. At the end of the year, Mr. Kreller, he decided to have a party for the kids. So he had sent a note home with us, be sure to bring your bathing suits tomorrow. Now we had no access to a pool, but we would go to the river. And it was a beautiful summer day, I remember that. And we had to walk from our public school, and it took, it was about a mile and a quarter. We walked, and by the time you got to the river, you were very hot and all that kind of thing. But we got to the river, and when we got to that river, um, of course, everyone was excited about getting into the water. Now, my oldest, older brother, Keith, was also there. My uh, older sister, uh, June, was there as well. But Keith especially, I remember him being there. And uh, he, and some, he was in and of the upper grades at that point, And he was on the other side of this Saugeen River. The Saugeen River was about that deep. That's what we had to play in. But they were on the other side of the river with the group of guys and having fun. And Keith said to me, I'm on this side where Mr. Kreller is. I'm a teacher's pet. And, and, I, and he said, Wayne, come on over to the other side. So I started across the river. Now remember, I'm in grade one. The water's about this deep, so it would have come up. It would have come up to my waist for sure. No one knew that in the middle of that river, there was a huge hole. And as I walked across that river, all of a sudden, I felt the bottom of my world drop out. I had never learned to swim. And when I went into that hole, all I remember is that suddenly I was underwater and all I could hear was the, the water in my ears. Do you know that gurgling sound? And I could hear that in my ears and I was struggling to find anything to hold on to, anything. And I would go down and then I came back up. And when I come back up out of the water, flailing and doing all that you try to do to save your life, I heard Keith over there say, Wayne, Wayne. And then the next day, I would go down again, and I'd come up again, Wayne. And there, see these guys running. And I went down, and the next thing I knew, somebody had my hair. There's the reason. <laughs> my teacher, Mr. Ivan Kreller, came in in his full suit. That's what they wore back then. I don't think he had a suit coat on, but I know he had a tie and a white shirt and his pants. And he came in, and he was trying to save me, and he groped around in that hole, got a hold of my hair, and grabbed me and pulled me out. And when I got to the shore, all I remember is being lie, lying on the shore and gasping for air and getting all this water out and all this. And then I sat down on the log, and Mr. Keller said, Wayne, are you Okay. Now, if you were the teacher, how would you have felt? God used a person like you and I to save somebody else. See, folks, I'm talking about rescue. We're very familiar with it 
in this time which we live. But you know what? We believe that the Lord wants all of us to be involved in rescue. Last week, Mark was sharing about the whole emphasis that we are seeking to develop over this next few months. Loving Wilmot. A special emphasis here at Wilmot Center this fall. Now, you may not be used to rescue someone drowning, but listen to these types of rescues authorized and empowered through believers. Listen to what it says in Mark 15. Are you a believer? First of all, are you a believer? Would all the believers raise your hand? I am so glad you came. We have just witnessed an amazing army right here. Now listen this. These signs will accompany those who believe. Mark 16. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. Listen, they will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. Is this pie in the sky, or is this the truth that God wants us to know today? Using believers like you and I. Just picture God using you and I to rescue people. Amazing. This week, this week, within this building and over on the playground across the road there and downstairs and you name it, Vacation Bible Camp team are prepared to share the truth Jesus rescues. Now, do you know what they are going to be talking about over the five days? Here are the topics. Monday, when you worry, Jesus rescues. Tuesday, when you struggle, Jesus rescues. Wednesday, when you are lonely, Jesus rescues. Thursday, when you do wrong, Jesus rescues. And Friday, when you are powerless, Jesus rescues. Have you gotten the picture? Last week was infusion. Today, let's get on with the rescue. You don't get infused with the love of God for your own selfish use only. It is meant to share. It is meant to empower you. It is meant to embrace others through the love of God using your hands, your feet, your voice, your hug, or whatever. That's what it's all about.
Is it any reason then that we need to be praying for Sam and Debbie, especially? If you haven't had a chance, I would encourage you, encourage you, encourage you. Go downstairs. It's the big room in the middle downstairs. That's what they call the green room. And it's the big room downstairs that Sam and Debbie have transformed into a teaching center. You've got to see it. You've got to see it. This is the kind of effort that has gone in preparing the way for the Word of God to be shared in the power of the Holy Spirit with the children who gather one group at a time. There's five groups, right? Okay, those tables out there, that's the five different colored t-shirts. Different groups will have a different colored t-shirts. It's organized to the T. But now, if it's not anointed, do you know now why when you wake up tomorrow morning and you're reminded, pray for those that are going to be leading and helping in the Bible school, why the Lord is prompting you to do that? You realize as well that when Sam and Debbie are down there and they are sharing the Bible lesson, and they go through those, different, those five different themes, they need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Can I ask this question? How many of you here today came to know Jesus in a daily vacation Bible school program or a Bible club? Let's see your hands. Put them up high. One, two, three, four. Anybody else? There you go. You see, folks, that's what we're praying. That they'll come to know Jesus as their rescuer, their Savior. Now, just some final things. How are we going to know if we're hitting the mark? How are we going to be able to tell whether any rescues are taking place? I am praying that in these next few weeks, stories of being rescued resulting in freedom testimonies will become the order of the day. You know, at the beginning of this year, the Lord gave Dale a special word. Joyous disciples will be seen in 2018. And then this word from the book of Psalms, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into this house of the Lord. This is going to be a place of joy, a place of rejoicing, because freedom stories will begin. Here's one that we're looking for. Prodigals are coming back. Prodigals are coming back. Those whom you have prayed for and prayed for, He is coming home. That's what we're looking for. There's a freedom story that we can hardly wait to enjoy with you. When you rejoice, we will rejoice. Here's some other stories. Conversion. People set free from Satan's family. That's no small deal. To be transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. 
You talk about a change to be a part of the family of God instead of having your father the enemy. A father of all lies. That's only, pow- only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's another one. Purification. Free from destructive, blinding habits. I know that there are persons right within this room right now. You have habits that you've been trying to break. You have not been successful. And this is the year to see you come free from that which has held you captive. You have become servant to your habit instead of being Lord over that habit and say, no, only by the grace of God. Another one, healing, free from sicknesses and disease. I am sick and tired of people being sick and tired. Are you? I'm fed up. Now, either the Word of God is true, or we should pack our bags and go home. And if it's true, these signs will follow those that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. These are things we're expecting to see take place. Restoration. Free from the luring blinding God of this world who experienced a miracle of restoration and I'm sorry, yeah, restoration and restitution as well free from any stealing nature there were many of the disciples that were definitely restored but Zacchaeus especially oh if I have taken what I've taken I want to restore fourfold Number six, forgiveness free from an unforgiving spirit. Have you been crippled because of unforgiveness? Is there a name that still comes to your mind and makes your skin crawl? What have you done about that? Jesus wants to set you free. Because forgiveness is not how you feel, it's an act. I choose to forgive so-and-so or whoever. You know what the other thing is? You know where I see people tripping up so often with unforgiveness? Somebody took money. And you can't get over it. That money, if only I had it back. They shouldn't have. And you've got reason upon reason upon reason why it was wrong. And yes, it was. But there have been persons I know who have already talked to me in other places. I'm not going to even think about here, but in other places. And they came to me after and they said, Pastor Wayne, I'm thinking of one man right now who over 30 years ago, he came to me and said, Pastor Wayne, you talked about that business about forgiving someone that 
you'd given some money to and they never paid you back. They promised they would and they wouldn't. Didn't. He said, I went home. And he said, I had to go to my own son. I said, son, I want you to know that $400 that I gave to you, I said I wanted it back. I don't. It is yours. The debt is paid. The debt is paid. And he said, even if you were to give it to me now, I would not receive it. I would give it on to the church to bless somebody else. Folks, unforgiveness, watch it. Baptism, a sign of freedom from the old life. Believe it or not, that is the baptistry right in there. If anybody wants to get baptized, we have about that much blue water in there. Well, you could come out looking a different color. Filled with the Spirit, free from lack of power and adequacy and fear of people. Oh, listen, folks. There's so many stories. That's why I put number nine, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I want to share this story in closing. A popular Christian singer was interviewed on TV several years back. Tammy and her husband, Trent, were asked to go to Jamaica on a mission trip. And they decided that they would go one week early to celebrate a vacation time together for their 11th wedding anniversary. With great delight and joy, they went to Jamaica. And they experienced a phenomenal week down there in Jamaica. How many have ever been to Jamaica? Wow, bless your hearts. Her husband was a skilled underwater diver. You need to remember this. He could stay underwater 10 minutes. That's amazing. <laughs> I was under five seconds and I was... He could stay underwater 10 minutes, no tank. On the last day of their vacation time, he wanted to explore the famous Blue Lagoon. How many have ever heard of that? The Blue Lagoon in Jamaica. So her husband suited up without oxygen tanks or snorkel, and he said goodbye to his wife, and he jumped into the water to begin exploring below the water surface. Tammy said, done this many times, he would swim, I would sit on the beach and just enjoy the sun. Ten minutes went by. And then 15. And then 20. And 30. And she's frantic. All she could say was, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus. And then she realized I've got to get some help. She found some authorities. And she said, my husband disappeared there somewhere. And they had to get their gear together to try and find him. She got on the telephone and called her parents and told them, this is what's going on. I don't know what's going on other than they're trying to find my husband. And the parents assured her, Tomorrow morning, we will get on a plane as soon as we can get out of here and we will come to you. 
Well, they found his body the next day on September the 11th, 2001. Tammy was totally devastated, of course, and she felt so alone in this foreign country, not knowing one person. The phone call and the promise to come was made on September the 10th, 2001. And the next day, unknown to Tammy, those planes had hit the Twin Towers. All planes were grounded. No one could fly anywhere. They couldn't come to her, and Tammy was totally alone in this land, not knowing a soul. Tammy was stuck there day after day. And all she could do was, Oh God, I would sing in front of crowds of people and I would tell them how God comes to your rescue. And here I am, and I am, my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Oh God, if you're anywhere there, please send somebody to help me. Somebody to let me know that you care about me. And just a little while later, there was a knock on the door at her hotel room. And here, when she opened the door, it was a little middle-aged Jamaican lady who was the housekeeper. And she said to Tammy, she said, no, I didn't call her by name, she said, Ma'am, excuse me, but I was cleaning next door and I couldn't help but hear your crying. I don't mean to bother, but is there something I could do to help you? Tammy could hardly believe her ears, and she just welcomed her into her room, and she poured out her heart to this dear lady and shared what had happened. And she, this lady said, I thought there was something like that going on because your crying was one of wailing and mourning. It just so happened, oh yeah, that this Jamaican lady was also a Christian. And she said, when they got to know each other's name, she said, Tammy, come here. Let me just give you a big hug. And together they prayed in that hotel room. And that moment, many miles away from home, her husband now being dead, her family not being able to get to her, Tammy was made to realize that God still cared about her. Listen, a little middle-aged woman dressed in a Hilton Hotel dress was sensitive to needs around her. And remember Mark said last week, prompting, listening for his voice, and then do what he asks you to do. She heard the cries of a breaking heart. She decided to offer her help. She wrapped her arms around Tammy like God, 
helped to wipe away Tammy's tears and to pray for her to help to rescue Tammy in the name of Jesus from her overwhelming grief. Did you know that in Isaiah 66, it says, as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. The worship team is going to come forward. And folks, I want you to know, you may not be chosen to help someone not to drown. But the Lord could use you because of your sensitive spirit and because of his voice within you saying, would you go and just say, can I help you? Is there some way that I could be of assistance? And when you obey that prompting, only the Lord knows what kind of a rescue you are involved in. Folks, this is what it means to love Wilmot. This is what it means for the people here at Wilmot Center where you fan out and go to your homes. You become vessels fit for the master's use, ready to serve because you're listening to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Is this going to mean stretching, being moved into situations that are beyond you? Yeah. Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.